Welcome to Open Life. Uh, so excited you could make it and that uh, we get to dive into this subject of peace and uh, really an incredible promise that was made very clear right at the get-go of the Christmas story. And I want to read a little more of Luke, Luke 2 today, uh, do verse 8 through 14. It says, the night, uh, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, uh, but the angel uh, reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, uh, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And that is, can you imagine being one of the shepherds there, first of all? <laughs> angel appears among you and the glory of heaven shows around you. And that's when they invented depends, I think, right then. Because that'd be terrifying, as it says. I just, my mind goes crazy imagining what that moment would be like. What these shepherds experienced in the midst of angels. And, and that was just angels showing up among them. And then all of the heavenly armies show up. I would again be terrified. It'd be round number two. Uh, it'd just be crazy. And yet he says... This promise, peace on earth, to those whom God is pleased. This peace, this gift of peace is, is an incredible promise for us. And, um, you know, these shepherds were brought into the God-man story through this choir of heavenly hosts that quite literally disrupted their, their world and brought chaos into their regular pattern and um, frightened them. It was, uh, they were being promised peace, but in that moment, I guarantee it was anything but peace. They were experiencing. They were terrified and afraid, had to be comforted. Um, and last week, we looked at the fact that faith in Jesus is like the path of peace and um, how faith really can transform our world it's, it's this promise for all of us as we put our faith in Jesus. And today we want to take, take kind of a practical turn, a reality check, if you will. And that uh, is depicted in the graphic ultimately for this series. I think often peace looks like this scenario. I shared last week the most peaceful thing I can imagine is uh, looking out our dining room windows, there's, the neighbor has this, this light on the street that looks kind of like that street light and watching the snowfall. And then you go out on the porch and you, after the ring doorbell sounds and disturbs everybody in the house, then it's peaceful and quiet. And it's just like the most peaceful thing in the world. And 
So when I picture peace, I picture like a fresh snowfall, no footprints, no tire prints, everything just stops, right? But there's depicted in this reality, there's this tree knocked over, you know, and you're just going, what is the story behind this? Like, how did this storm or whatever impact the reality of this image, which was perfect and, and beautiful. But in reality, I think, honestly, this is more genuine. This is perfect. This is reality. And today I want to talk about this peace that is involved in the storms of life. And, um, well, let's, let's read one of these moments that is pretty awesome. Mark 4, 35 through 41. I'm going to read it from the English Standard Version just to be a little different. It says, On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, speaking of Jesus, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And he awoke. <laughs> so this is kind of funny. They woke him up, but he must have like, Do you not care? And then he woke up, right? I just think it's funny they put that in there twice. And he woke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? I absolutely love the imagery going on here. A true story that teaches us so much, gives us our big idea ultimately today. Jesus brings peace to the storm. Jesus brings peace to the storm. And notice that Jesus, you got to really think about what happened. Jesus didn't keep the storm from coming. In fact, he, he, he foresees, right? Jesus is fully man, but fully God in this scenario. And so before, behind, to the side, he kind of is aware of what's going on. He invited these people into the boat. He encouraged them to cross the sea. He knew there was a storm ahead. He, he allowed all of them, including other boats, to join in on this journey, heading towards a storm, unforeseen to them, foreseen by him. And yet he just gets a nap in. <laughs> I, just, I, let that, I relate to that. I've shared this before. It's a gift, I think, from G, It's my Christ-likeness. I can fall asleep in any scenario. If you get me comfortable enough, I'm just like, my kids are like, Dad, you were, you were snoring really loud during that movie. I was like, oh, oh, uh, sorry, you know. Uh, it's kind of funny. Sometimes I'll fall asleep during a really boring movie. But uh, Jesus knew what was going on here. And knowing what was ahead, 
he, he still found the ability to rest himself. He found a pillow, a cushion in the stern of the boat. He was just as cushy as can be, enjoying a little shut-eye. They had to kind of wake him up twice. Jesus found peace in the midst of the storm. And sometimes it takes a great storm for us to understand a great calm. Jesus rose from his sleep, rebuked the storm, and brought peace in the middle of it all. In fact, they didn't have to continue in the storm. The moment he spoke to the storm, that great calm was experienced where a storm was just present. And his disciples were like, what? The storm turned into a great calm. But there are a bunch of boats in a similar, with them, right? It says a bunch of boats went with them. And in this, you just kind of imagine, uh, peace is now their reality as well. What were they thinking? They didn't have the benefit of having Jesus in their boat. Their story, I wish I could hear their story. And know what the dialogue was like there. But they all had water in their boats. Their boats were filling. The waves were breaking over their boats. And they literally thought they were going to perish. And you have to consider who's in the boat. Like, these are professional fishermen. The Sea of Galilee is known for its abrupt storms and its quick calm. It'd be interesting. We, we stayed in a houseboat. In northern Idaho, one time we went to Silverwood with a bunch of us, us cousins, took all the kids, and we decided to rent a houseboat. Well, one of them did, and we decided to stay there. And all of a sudden, a quick storm came upon Lake Ponderay, I think it was. Anyway, uh, and we were just there on this calm boat, and then it's dinner time, and all of a sudden, the wind kicks up. And the next thing you know, there are waves coming in and washing off all the planters off the docks and and it's hot out still so it's like uh there were these people panicking like what do we do with our stuff and I was like oh well I'll be a servant I jumped in and saved a bunch of their potted plants and and brought them back they were really heavy when they're soaked with water and uh it was just like wow this is a freak storm this is weird but we went like after that we walked and got some ice cream and came back and when we came back the waves were, like a half hour later, the waves were so strong, boats were breaking away from the dock. Like, their, their, the chains were busting, ropes were breaking, furniture were falling into the water and sinking. And we're just like, what do we do? So everybody who was present on the dock, which wasn't many people, were saving all these boats that were ramming into one another and retying them down. And, and it was terrifying. And I was connected to a dock which I could run to land. I can't imagine if that's happening and you're out in the middle of the sea. Like these fishermen are not, they're so far away from the land and they're experienced. They've seen storms come up quick and they've seen storms go away quickly as well. They're afraid this one they're not going to make it through. That to me says this is bad as they've ever seen it. Because they're fishermen. They could have gone, well, let's go back. Jesus is asleep. You know, it's all good. He wanted us to go to the other side, but here comes a storm. These experienced people on the water couldn't find any other solution, but we're going to perish. 
And they call on Jesus in one of the boats. <laughs> Who knows what the other boats were thinking? They're like, this is it. <laughs> we're perishing. And uh, there was great fear involved. And I think the storms in our life put us in a similar scenario. I mean, we all have storms that we face that put us in a similar, this is it, I can't see beyond this, now, this moment. And they account the story in these gospels because it was supernatural, because it was a moment beyond what those who understand the wind and the waves had ever seen in their entire life. In this powerful rebuke of our God, life's greatest storms can become calm. And what was that rebuke? Peace. I'll get to that on thought three. But it's weird to me that peace is a rebuke. Thought one. Just because water is in the boat doesn't mean Jesus isn't. Have you ever had that moment where you're like, what is up, right? Just because you get this diagnosis from the doctor doesn't mean Jesus is not in your boat. Just because that Christmas bonus isn't coming doesn't mean Jesus isn't in your boat, Griswold. Just because the car broke down Man, I gave in the offering at church and they're supposed to rebuke the devourer. How can my car break down? Doesn't mean he's not in the boat. Just because you were passed up for that spot on the team or that promotion doesn't mean he's not in your boat. Just because your kids are not behaving the way you feel you've raised them to behave doesn't mean he's not in the boat. Just because your marriage isn't in a place where you thought it would be doesn't mean he's not in your boat. Just because that adoption fell through doesn't mean he's not in your boat. Just because you haven't gotten pregnant yet doesn't mean he's not in your boat. You could go on, right? Storms happen. But as a follower of Jesus, you've got someone in your boat with you. You will never be alone. Psalm, 18, or Psalm 18, verse 16 through 19 says, He reached down from heaven and rescued me. He drew me out of the deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemies, from those who hated me and were too strong for me. They attacked me at a moment when I was in distress, but the Lord supported me. He led me to a place of safety. He rescued me because he delights in me. Sounds similar, right? Peace on earth to those in whom he's pleased who he's delighted with. And I just want to remind you today, man, if you get anything today, get this. God's delighted in you. He's pleased. You don't have to work towards that. He looks at you, and you're made in his likeness, in his image, and he loves you just the way you are. I think sometimes we feel we have to do this or that or that or this or that or this. It's the holidays, man. I gotta be generous. I gotta. You know what? He loves you just the way you are. 
There would be no Christmas story, no boy in a manger if God did not love you. He would not have sent his one and only son to earth to become human, endure all the temptations and trials we face, yet not sin so that he could take our place on a cross, resurrect from the grave, giving us the promise of eternal life. When you put your faith in Jesus at that moment, you enter into this full grace that watches over, washes over all the mistakes that, that, that separate you from God. So when you're concerned and you're like, but delighted in me, love, yes, he loves you and he's longing for you to choose him. He can't wait for it. You can't do anything to earn his love. He's extending it already. Just say, okay, I accept it's the gift of this season. I don't think you can fall that far. You have to be so intentional to rebel against God and escape his love. I feel it's so much work. You work hard at it and he still finds you. <laughs> I feel, I've seen so many people who are called by God and, and just understand his love. And then they kind of wander away and begin to doubt and go this direction. And it's like, God gets them back. If you want to take the hard road, feel free. But when you come back, he's like, open arms, wide open, full of love, ready to rescue. 2 Kings 2.8 says, Elijah folded his cloak together and struck the water with it, and the river divided and the two of them went across on dry ground. Elijah and Elisha are, find themselves needing to get to the other side of a body of water. And the great prophet takes his cloak and he whacks the, the obstacle in their way. And a dry path is formed. So not only do we see this when the Israelites are escaping Egypt and, and they cross dry ground to their freedom, escaping the tyranny of slavery that they had faced, but now we see this amongst these prophets. Two different occurrences, and if you read through the psalm, you'll see a bunch of references to God pushing back the waters. And it's talking about these two moments in history. It becomes this article of reminder and worship that God is so powerful that he can control the waters and the storms. Now, everybody in the boat with Jesus during this storm had read this. They knew these stories. They knew God could calm the water, part the water, allow them safe, calm passage and the Son of God is in their boat. It's just kind of crazy to think all that was going on in their minds at that moment just had to have been boggling, mind-boggling. God has the power to push back whatever storm is facing you today. Don't forget that Jesus is in your boat, and when you're staring down that storm, he can strike down your obstacle in a single moment. Which brings up thought too. It's okay to call on Jesus for an awakening. For him to actually wake up, 
but as well for, for, for you, you to wake up, for the world around us to wake up and see things as they truly were intended by God. Jesus, wake up, intervene. Don't you care about us? We're going to perish. Well, <laughs> and then he wakes up. Psalm 35, 22 through 25 says this. O Lord, you know all about this. Do not stay silent. Do not abandon me now, O Lord. Wake up. Rise to my defense. Take up my case, my God and my Lord. Declare me not guilty, O Lord, my God, for you give justice. Don't let my enemies laugh about me and my troubles. Don't let them say, look, we got what we wanted. Now we will eat him alive. Cannibals? I don't know. It's kind of weird. Uh, the, psalm, the Psalms both are worshiping through the past and prophetically looking to the future. When you kind of look at this in the lens of this moment and the storm and the disciples, you go, whoa, that's like a visionary moment of worship. But as well, it was the reality of, of the time of the psalmist that, that he's like in need and feels like God's asleep and not around. Wake up, God. Don't let my enemies take my life here. Rise to my defense. Take up this cause. I'm facing a storm. I don't know that we're that great at reminding ourselves in the storm that we can ask God to wake up. Help me out here. What the followers of God experienced through faith in the Old Testament, the disciples are experiencing tangibly in this boat. Jesus was called upon to wake up, to rise and do something. I don't know, maybe you're in that season or you know somebody in a season that's going, where are you, God? Hey, God, did you hit the snooze button? What's happening? We don't know why it seems like Jesus sleeps through our trials when sometimes he wakes during others. Um, in his sovereignty, he knows, but it's confusing to us to comprehend. God would just challenge us to call on him when we're in our storms. Allow him to awake. Great moves of God have, become across, have come across the course of history. Powerful moves of God uh, that have transformed lives and some would call them awakenings for a reason. When God begins to move and, and people experience deliverance and miracles and breakthroughs in their storms, Entire communities experience awakenings or revivals. It's something I pray for. Praying for those who have fallen asleep in their faith to wake up. Not just that, that God would wake up and see our need and hear our cry, but that, Lord, help people around me see you. Like the, how much you really love care for them. Help people wake up and see you. Praying for those who've never experienced the love of God in a personal way through Jesus. Come alive in them today, God. You don't know the power of your invitation. I think, I think we take for granted the power of sharing 
simply, man, great talk today at church on social media, tagging the church and just saying, not saying it was, you're supposed to post that today, but just like, you know, you, you just go, this was touching or, man, I'm so thankful I have a, a church to serve at, to, to be a part of, whatever it is. That invitation, that news that God is doing something in your life, there's a ripple effect. It makes a difference in people's lives. Your story can impact so many. And it's way more than you probably even realize, the amount of people that are watching your life. Just like the people who are on shore still that saw those boats take off. That saw those boats go out and then realized when the storm hit, whoa, this is the worst storm. Like, I wonder if they're going to make it to the other side. And that guy who claimed to be the son of God was in one of those boats. Those boats went down and they were never heard of again. That would have been a bummer. (laughs) You know, people would have said, see, God's not real. There would have been all kinds of stories going on. Kind of similar to the psalmist writing, don't don't let this go right. Don't let this go bad. You don't know how Jesus is going to impact the life of your neighbor, those who are your friends. I think sometimes we just need to invite people into the story and allow Jesus to wake them up because he's ready to wake up and do something in the lives of people in this community. People need to find and follow Jesus and experience this life and this peace of mind that we're promised. These disciples invited other boats to go with them. Again, think about being the other boat. Hey, we're going to the other side. The disciples are in the boat with Jesus. So those who know Jesus closely are in the boat with him. But other boats join in on this journey. Storm hits. You don't have Jesus in your boat. We don't hear about any of the boats sinking. It's just an interesting concept to think if you're in the other boat. The key is... The disciples didn't know, they didn't pitch, come across the sea with us in your boat because you're about to experience a divine intervention. I bet those other boat people were rocked in their faith as much as the disciples, if not more, because they didn't have Jesus in their boat. They're just like, what just happened? How did that stop? We went together to experience Jesus on the other side of the sea. And here we are in the middle of a storm and we get to experience him. What? How amazing would it be to know what dialogue happened on those boats? I don't know. It's just the way my mind works. How are, so I think about that when I'm thinking of who I'm inviting to church and how I'm sharing the faith and and inviting other people into the story of Jesus being active in their life and awake in their world and giving them peace. I I can make the invite. I have no idea how God's going to use it or how he's going to impact people's lives, but the reality is he will. We've got to leave that up to him and just be faithful to make the invite. This time of year is one of the most powerful seasons that people are receptive to an invitation to hear about Jesus, the gospel, the nativity, the story of Christmas, and every week we're telling it through the 
end of December. I just get your invite game going because you never know when those other boats are going to experience a divine moment in their life. I don't know, it makes me excited to think about the lives that will be touched. Thought three, and this is an interesting one. It's time to rebuke the storm. This is, this is what's weird. Oh, I'll just read Psalm 107 and then come back to the thought I'm having. But Psalm 107, 23 through 32 says, Some went off to sea in ships, plying the trade routes of the, of the world. They too observed the Lord's power in action, his impressive works on the deepest seas. He spoke and the winds rose stirring up the waves and their ships were tossed to the heavens, plunged again to the depths. The sailors cringed in terror. They reeled and staggered like, like drunkards and were at the wit's end. Lord, help, they cried in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He calmed the storm to a whisper and stilled the waves. What a blessing was that, that stillness as he brought them safely into harbor. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. Let them exalt him publicly before the congregation and before the leaders of the nation. Isn't it crazy how it's all over the psalm, these same kind of stories, and we, we maybe have heard that story of Jesus calming the storm, but to realize, wait, this is talked about all over Scripture, that there's peace to the storm of life. Jesus rebuked the storm with peace. How does that work in your home when the kids are going crazy and things are just going wild? Um, I don't know. It's not the first thing I think of. It's just like peace. You know? I don't know how he said it. Peace! Or was it peace? Or was it probably not that. Uh, anyway, you know, it's just like thinking of this peace, like peace as a rebuke. That's interesting. Like, what is the story there? How does that work out? He calmed the storm to a whisper with a whisper. I heard uh, uh, healing evangelists. In fact, sad day yesterday. I don't know you've been a follower of Jesus for a while and know some of those great revivalists out there, the evangelist Reinhard Bonnke passed away yesterday. I'd gone to a couple moments where uh, he shared the gospel in huge crowds. He would, he would lead hundreds and hundreds and have divine miracles and do crazy things. And you're just like, God used him mightily. And he would say this, He's like, why would you make a demon angry? I remember this teaching so clearly. He's like, and he's got this weird accent. I don't know if you've ever heard him. Reinhard Bunky, talk like this. You know, he's got this accent. And he, he, he would say, why would you make a demon angry? He's like, that's just for show. Don't scream at somebody who needs healing. You know, so he goes into this teaching where he's like, if you're screaming at somebody to be healed, that's for you. It's not for them. Because Scripture says clearly in Proverbs 15:1, a gentle answer deflects anger, but a harsh word makes tempers flare. 
And it's no different with the demons. <laughs> I was like, what? Why would you scream at somebody with the demon's possession and make them scream back when you can just go, in Jesus' name, come out of them. And they're free. It's a whole nother teaching about healing and demons and all that. But the reality is, even in healing, peace can give way to peace. And if your um, tendency is to escalate, and if things are getting crazy, to get crazy back, maybe this is a good moment to think, oh man, I need to rebuke with a whisper. My kids hate this, actually, honestly. Because um, I'm always like, they, they'll be able to tell you the quote that I'm about to share. Volume is a sign of weakness. You know, they just hate that when they're mad and screaming. And I'm like, a gentle answer turns away wrath and the harsh words starts thinking, Dad, stop it, you know. But Jesus calms the storm. He rebukes a terrifying, death-provoking storm with peace. That should challenge us to try to figure out how to do that in our world. Peace is not the toughest-sounding rebuke I've ever heard but it's crazy that it works. That we have access to peace. It's a corrective word. It brings people back. It brings the storms back to the way things should be peaceful. So now we have this understanding of peace to the storm. But what we need to grasp is that we too can speak peace to the storms. So let me go close in a teachy moment here. We have the authority to speak to the storms in the power of peace. Jesus repeatedly reminded his disciples about his authority and that they had his authority, and he'd sent them out with authority. In fact, people were astonished by Jesus' authority. That was the first thing that impressed them about his teaching and his practices. And he trained his disciples to go with the authority. In fact, he had told them not to brag about the authority and to boast on God who gave them the authority. And then, in his final commission, he said to his disciples in Matthew 28, 18, he said, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven on earth. Verse 20, a couple uh, uh, sentences later, he says, surely I am with you. So he's in the boat still. All authorities in the boat, on heaven and on earth, things, spirits, everything, he's here with us. We have access to call on that same authority. Maybe you feel like Jesus isn't with you or you've done something wrong, but the reality is he's present with you. All authority is at his disposal, which means it's at your disposal, which is why I believe he could teach John 14, 12, which says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I've done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. So let me ask you this. If you're facing a scenario that's lacking peace, it's a storm, have you rebuked the storm? Have you spoken peace to that storm? I think it's time. 
I think it's time we, we awaken understanding of our faith that we can have the boldness and trust in Jesus to bring peace to the storm. And that's our action thought for today. Now, I want to pray peace to your storm. I want to pray, pray peace to the storms we're facing, but I want to encourage you to speak to your storm. Peace in the name of Jesus. And watch what he can do in and through you. I want to pray for you today. Lord, in fact, stand while we pray. God, I thank you for everybody that is here today and we're able to open up your word and, and read about the power of peace. <laughs> that it can rebuke a storm? Wow. This is crazy to think. Jesus, we know you're with us. You're in the boat, even if the water's in the boat. Even after that storm went, the water was still in the boat. They still had to deal with the reality. Even though there's peace in the snow in this image for this series, there's still a blown over tree. Something happened. God, there's storms we're all facing. And we ask you to wake up and, and come and help us. Give us the boldness it takes to speak to the storms of our life and rebuke them in the name of Jesus. If it's sickness that is, is being faced in lives, we just pray against that sickness. We pray peace into bodies that need healing right now in the name of Jesus. God, if it is income challenges, I pray peace to professions and income and jobs in this church right now. I pray for those that are facing financial trial. Peace in the name of Jesus. If it's family issues, Lord, I pray peace in the name of Jesus over homes and relationships. Christmas can be stressful. Peace. Lord, I, I just thank you that you give us the understanding through your word that no matter what we face, you have the power to calm it. And you've given us that same authority. So Lord, remind us today that we have access to that. And so, and Lord, if somebody walked in today just exploring the faith and unsure of you and your love for them, concerned that they've in some way separated themselves from you, I pray right now that they would understand just how pleased you were with them that you would send your son and announce peace into their world. And that, God, you would allow all of us in this room to respond to that and say, Jesus, you are my Lord. I'm no longer running. I'm no longer going to look at you from a distance. I, I want to follow you as Lord and Savior and allow you to transform not only my life, but my storms and the storms in the lives around me. That I would invite other boats into the water. I would tell people about what you're doing in my life and watch you bring them into a story for their own scenario that would be beautiful and transforming. Help us touch the lives of this community. I just thank you that we have a place to worship, that we have an opportunity to gather today and learn about your peace. And I look to the next two weeks as we bring people with us through these doors to celebrate the birth of Jesus, that you'll touch so many lives.
calm so many storms that you'll breathe peace over us and through us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.